From the Montana Cayman, University of Montana's independent student-run newspaper, this is the Cayman Cast for the week of September 20th. I'm Austin Amistoy. In July, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, NCAA, issued a groundbreaking change to its rules regarding how college athletes make money. For the first time ever, athletes would be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. The new policy paved the way for athletes to begin building a brand for themselves through sponsorships, endorsements, merchandise, and more. Here at the University of Montana, the NCAA rules change has opened new doors for Freddie Brown III, a guard on the UM men's basketball team. This week, Cayman Sports Editor Jack Marshall brings us the story of a three-generation basketball dynasty and how its youngest member is blazing new trails in the family business. Jack Marshall of Cayman Sports fame, it is my great pleasure to welcome you to your first Cayman cast. How's it going? Uh, great, Austin. Um, honestly, it's my great pleasure to be here. Uh, <laughs> ever since I heard there is going to be a Cayman cast, I knew I wanted to be on it. We're glad you're here as well. So, Jack, um, unfortunately, much like last week with our sorority shutdown discussion, I am again a novice this time around. Uh, so let's start where this story starts, which is this last July with the NCAA policy change. Walk us through exactly what happened. This new NCAA policy change um, now allows college athletes to make money off of themselves, really. Um, it's about their name, image, and likeness, or as some people say, just simply the NIL. And for the longest time, college athletes could not profit off of their name, image, likeness, or really make any more money other than the money that was provided to them by their schools in terms of scholarships or kind of like money for housing or meal plans. Um, and just recently in July when it started, the uh, NCAA said that college athletes can now um, maybe sign autographs and sell them or gain sponsorship from businesses or even start their own business. So, Jack, I'm just curious what compelled the NCAA to revise its name, image, and likeness policy after all this time? You know, why do they even have a policy against athletes making money off their image in the first place? Well, um, the NCAA would say that they had this policy to promote amateurism. So its athletes weren't like semi-pros maybe or professional because they weren't making money. Um, there's concerns over maybe like cheating and things like recruiting or a school's booster might give an athlete a bunch of money um, that would make them maybe want to come to their school a little more or just like the NCAA can honestly make more money if the athletes aren't making money. So big events like March Madness, which is the big basketball tournament that happens every year in the NCAA and so many people fill out brackets. Um, so much money is poured into that tournament, and if people wanted to give their money to an athlete to sponsor them, then the NCAA wouldn't make that money, and colleges wouldn't make that money. So, Jack, well, now you have me wondering with this change, how many athletes at UM is this impacting exactly? Well, not too many, um, but immediately the first thing I saw when this passed was on Instagram, in a promoted ad was Freddie Brown III, a UM athlete in a promoted ad on Instagram showing off a product. Okay, so who exactly is Freddie Brown the third? Well, 
If you're not a UM basketball fan, you still might know him. He is a, kind of a big name in the Montana basketball community, but more specifically the Seattle basketball community. Um, Freddie grew up around Seattle. He's a member of the Macaw tribe, which resides in the Pacific Northwest. And really, I would say if there was a living, breathing family tree of Freddie's, it would be on a basketball court. So his mom and sister both were college basketball athletes, along with so many other people in his family. And in the Macaw tribe itself, basketball is very big culturally. So Freddie really um, took advantage of this and played a lot of basketball growing up. And he played for two years in Marysville, Washington, until eventually he started playing at Nathan Hale High School for a little more exposure. Number 24, Freddie Brown III. When Freddie Brown went to Nathan Hale, Nathan Hale was arguably the best high school basketball team in the country. And the games that Freddie Brown played in were on national television against schools from not only Washington, but California, Virginia, and eventually Nathan Hale and Freddie's junior year made it to the Washington State Championship and won it in an undefeated season. So Freddie Brown quickly got a taste of what it was like to be on the big stage while he was in high school in Seattle, now as a member of the team in Montana. In his first year, he made it to March Madness, that really big college basketball tournament. In the West region, 14th seed Montana Grizzlies is the three seed Michigan Wolverines, Coach DeCurie. And Freddie saw the money that really came in to a big event like that. The UM basketball team flew on a chartered flight out to the tournament, and then a police escort brought them to the actual facility where they were going to play. And Freddie just firsthand saw how much money was really involved in this tournament. Wow. So Freddie was a pretty big deal back in high school at the very least, judging by, you know, just the prestige of this high school team he played on. So is Freddie like, uh, you know, the guy on UM's basketball team then? Well, Freddie's been a part of UM's basketball team for three years, but he definitely hasn't led the team in scoring. Um, in his first year as a true freshman, he did get to play in 15 games. And then in 2019, 2020, he redshirted, which means he was a part of the team, but he didn't play at all. So he got to keep that year of eligibility because the NCAA gives out four years of eligibility for players to play in. And luckily for Freddie, that 2019, 2020 year was the year that COVID hit. So really the UM basketball team didn't even get to finish their season. And then in 2020 to 2021, which is this last season, uh, Freddie Brown only played nine games, but it was a shortened season. And the NCAA said after that season that college athletes who played in the shortened 2020-2021 season get an extra year of eligibility. So Freddie Brown hasn't led the team in scoring. He's scored 34 total points in his career. But he's been with UM and he's been able to use UM's facilities for three years. And now he has three more years of eligibility where he really has a chance to prove himself with the team. Okay, so he may not be you know, UM's star, but he does have some life ahead of him in the program. And I've also heard, Jack, that Freddie has a pretty impressive presence on Instagram, you know, somewhere in the realm of 12,000 followers. So how did he manage to get so many followers in the first place? Well, some could say it is from Nathan Hale when he played high school basketball or maybe here at UM. But really, I don't know how we could talk about Freddie Brown without talking about the generational wealth that has been shared in terms of basketball and notoriety from Freddie Brown's grandfather, downtown Fred Brown. Twice down, here's Brown with a three-pointer, he hits it. Boy, what an incredible shooter, Freddie Brown. A legendary Seattle Supersonics shooting guard. He played 13 seasons for the team. He spent his whole career with the team. There's Freddie again. Oh, 
Obviously, the supersonics don't ex exist anymore, but because of, I think, the supersonics disappearing out of Seattle, um, all those old players on the supersonics still have a very big role in the Seattle society, um, including downtown Fred Brown, who still holds records for steals on the team and points on the team. Fred Brown. <laughs> ah, he's incredible. Put him on any side of the floor. Usually a player has a hot side or a side they like to shoot from. I asked Fred once, he said, it doesn't matter. I don't care where I am around that perimeter. <laughs> and of course, downtown Fred Brown had Freddie Brown's dad, Fred Brown Jr. Um, and Freddie Brown's dad grew up around the Supersonics while downtown was on the team. Um, he got to hang out with all of the really great players that you would see if you looked up Supersonics. Um, greatest. And he even got his nickname, Midtown Fred Brown, from some of the players who were on the Supersonics while he was hanging out with his dad, who was playing for them. And then finally, Fred Brown Jr. had Freddie Brown. Wow. That is a pretty remarkable legacy for Freddie to have inherited. I mean, that's, that's you know, he's the third generation of very good basketball players from his family. You know, did he did he tell you at all what it was like growing up with a grandpa who was basically a basketball legend? Yeah, Freddie definitely talked a little about it. He definitely didn't want to get into it too much because I think a lot of the stuff you might get told from your grandpa who was an NBA legend um, is private stuff. It's stuff you want to be able to use so you can become an NBA legend, I guess. But he did tell me one memory in particular was grandpa took him and his sister into a gym in Seattle and really kind of like sat down with them and taught them about basketball and how to really help them with their jump shot for him because that's kind of what downtown Fred Brown was known for, his long-range shooting. That's why I called him downtown Fred Brown. And Freddie's kind of picked up on that. He's really good at shooting three-pointers and deeper shots. Um, but downtown Fred Brown also told Freddie Brown III and his sister really about the mentality that it takes to become successful at what you want to do. And I think Freddie Brown has really held that with him. And, um, you know, he's told us some great insight of, you know, just shooting tips and, you know, uh, just enjoying, you know, just the process of, like, every step of the way to get to where you want to be and, you know, mentally putting your, putting your focus to where you want to be at, um, in the future. I know you also talked to Freddie III's father, Fred Jr., the middle Freddie. Um, tell me a little bit about him and his relationship with his son. Yeah, Fred Jr. Um, also at one point was committed to play basketball at the Division I level. Um, he went for a year at the University of Iowa, um, where downtown Fred Brown actually played. But he also um, played college basketball for a while at the lower level. That's where he met uh, Freddie Brown III's mom. Um, but really with Fred Brown Jr., it's coaching that's really made him famous. He coaches at the College of Southern Idaho, which has the most wins of any junior college um, team in the nation. They've won three national championships, and they've really put numerous players um, to the higher level of basketball. And not only did he, does he coach at Southern Idaho, but um, Fred Brown Jr. also coached Freddie III. Um, he was a very important part of really his basketball career when he was young. And Freddie III told me that Fred Brown Jr. wasn't afraid to tell him if he messed up just because he was his father. Um, he would still be hard on him. I don't, I'm not one of those biased fathers or biased coaches, so when he wasn't doing things the right way, I'd get on him too, just like everybody else. But, yeah, I mean, I thought he was, I always thought he was good. You know, he's, he's my son, so you always want to, you know, fathers and, and mothers are always biased to their kids. But uh... Now, Jack, if I'm understanding the NCAA 
policy that we talked about at the beginning of the episode correctly, um, and I may very well not be, but if I am, Freddie would be the first in his family of you know fairly famous basketball players to be allowed to build a brand for himself while he's in college. Is that right? Yes. Freddie Brown III is the first person out of his grandpa, his dad, and his mom and sister who all played college basketball to be able to actually make money while he's playing college basketball. Wow. So, I mean, that's pretty significant, I have to imagine. And I'm also curious, how has he taken advantage of this NCAA policy change so far? Well, like I said earlier, immediately Freddie Brown was doing Instagram advertisements. And the first brand to reach out to him is this brand called Pathwater, which is a brand that really advocates for sustainability. Um, They're trying to eliminate plastic water bottles and they have a very large Instagram presence, just like Freddie. And they kind of use people like Freddie who are almost social media influencers um, to promote their brand. And Freddie was one of them. So Freddie posts photos on his Instagram of him holding their path water up. And he's been able to have a great relationship with them as he told me, and he wants to continue that. He also has told me about how he's had his own logo for a long time. And he was always curious about how if college athletes could potentially like sell their own merchandise if people would buy his shirts, if he made them. But it's definitely something he's tabled. And along with that, he's also um, he has also started a co-op with a brand called VidSig, which is really a video sharing business where people can pay Freddie to really share his knowledge or chat with him about what Freddie does. And it's another way for him to make money. Hi, Faith. Freddie Brown III here. I just wanted to congratulate you on your 500 YouTube subscribers. 501 now. I just subscribed. Um, And I also wanted to say, just keep doing what you love, following your passion, and uh, giving it your all. So he's already knee-deep in this world of college athletic sponsorships and endorsements. But what were his father's thoughts about the NCAA rule change and, you know, about Freddie starting his own brand? Well, obviously, Fred Jr. is excited for his son. Um, just an opportunity for student athletes to man, make a little bit of money, man, and, and, and they should after the, after their name. So, um, The family name holds very strong. Fred Jr. never doubted that he wasn't going to name his son Freddie. Um, so he's definitely excited that his son can make money off of this generational basketball name. Um, you know, I, I knew that that, you know, Freddie's got a pretty good basketball name in the basketball community, not just locally, but nationwide, because his grandfather downtown, Freddie Brown. And, uh, you know, he's a good kid, very smart. And um, I knew there was going to be an opportunity for him to do something with, with, with somebody when it comes to these businesses out here. So and he's got a few right now. Jack, Fred Jr. mentions that Freddie the third, his son, has not just local fame, but also a national platform to some extent like we've been talking about, because of his grandfather. So how does Freddie view his success? You know, does he see himself as someone who holds his own compared to his dad and his grandfather? Yeah, really, before I could even ask Freddie if he felt like he's living up to the family name and all, he brought it up. Growing up and just sharing the same name as my grandpa and my dad, it's just something that I've always just embedded in, um, just something that I've always had to live up to. And um, I feel like I've done a great job, you know, just building the name for myself, being third, and just coming here and just starting my own journey outside of Washington. And he really has three more years where he can be in college and continue to live up with that. Um, he also has big dreams to play professional basketball, and I think he feels like that's a reality for him. Um, and I think along with that, he's also 
um, represented his people back home well, too. Jack, Freddie's story is definitely a fascinating case study of the firsthand effects of this huge policy change for college athletes. But I guess our conversation has sort of left me wondering how many other Freddies we can expect to see come out of UM. I mean, how wide is the reach of this policy change? Do other UM athletes have the same chances as Freddie to build a brand of their name, image, and likeness? Well, UM's athletic director, Kent Haslam, told me that the sky isn't exactly falling at UM. Um, there's been a few athletes like Freddie who have popularity on social media or have really made a lot of heads turn while they've been playing their sport that have been able to benefit from this. But right now at UM, it's really not um, a centerfold of the athletics culture here. But with that being said, I think there is definitely some room for improvement and some room for UM athletics and UM athletes to really start making some money. Um, events like March Madness, uh, this next year will be the first year where during March Madness, athletes can really sign sponsorships. Um, and a lot of people watch that, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that might want their brand or name associated with these really big stars of the month of March. Also, UM just had a really big win in football against the University of Washington that really um, grabbed the attention of a lot of national sports media. And I think things like that might be able to help more athletes from UM make money off of their name, image, and likeness. But for right now, um, it's just Freddie and a few other athletes. Well, Jack, thanks for my crash course in the business of basketball. Um, I hope we talk again so you can keep illuminating college sports for me. Thank you, Austin. I do hope to talk to you soon. While the NCAA policy change is a major win for college athletes seeking to profit off their image, there are still some limits in place. Athletes are forbidden from using their school's logo and trademarks in sponsored content, and universities are still allowed to adopt their own additional regulations. Student athletes at UM are prohibited from making any business deals with brands from several industries, including alcohol, tobacco, recreational marijuana, and sports betting. You can read Jack's report on the tale of three Freddies in this week's paper, hitting newsstands and our website on Thursday, September 23rd. The Kaiman cast is produced and edited by me, Austin Amistoy. Reporting by Jack Marshall. That's it for this week's episode. Next time, the Kaiman dives into Montana's gun culture from the diverse perspectives of those who live here. I'll see you there.